This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of the Todd Barry podcast. This is Todd Barry. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you're expecting. I don't know what I'm expecting. Uh, I'm not really a seasoned interviewer, but I, uh, I am a seasoned, great conversationalist. I have a long history of having great conversations with people and people really enjoying them. Uh, now I'm going to record them. Uh... My first guest is uh, Tom Shalou, who some of you may know. A lot of you might not know him because he's not nearly as famous as me, but that doesn't mean anything um, unless you care about being famous, which is you know, not always that great. But uh, I chose Tom because he, uh, I kind of knew he would do it. I mean, he's, I don't mean that as an insult, but he's just one of these guys that's up for anything. You know what I mean? Like, I want to make, you know, I made a video a while ago. To show in London, and I needed someone to act in it. I knew Tom would do it, and he did it. Um, what else? Like, I've offered him, and he said yes to some really poor, low-paying opening act work for me, um, and drove me there hours and hours. He's a good guy, and he's fun to talk to. I hope you like it. Here we go. And my guest today is going to be, is Tom Shalou. I'm going to go ahead and commit to you being the first guest. Because I'm here, right? Yeah. I'm not going to do that thing where I record a bunch and then just go, oh, I'll pick that one as first and then have to call you up and you knew you were the first one. And you're like, why? What? I wasn't good enough. I didn't know. Until now, I didn't know. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, you know, if Keith Richards wants to do it, I will still not use use him first. That would be like the one example of one person who I would I would actually bump you. Yeah. But uh, welcome. Thanks for doing this. We're in my kitchen. Thank you. Um, you just came back from an audition. Like you walked over here, right, from an audition? Yeah. I was at uh, an audition on 19th Street. For, can, uh, can I ask you what it was for? Yeah, it was for a voiceover for Corona. Oh, Corona beer. Yeah. Uh, how'd it go? Good, I think. I mean, I uh, I, uh, I read, I was a character in a radio commercial. That's what it was. So it was nothing, you know, it wasn't like I was going to be the voice of Corona. It was just your run of the mill guys and gals coming in, reading with a wife on vacation. So we were kind of like the annoying vacation couple. Right, right. Did you, do you think you did a good audition? I think so. How long, now is, when you do an audition for that, is it the longer the audition, the better? Because I never know, because sometimes I've auditioned for things and I'm like, Wow, they kept me in there a long time. They must, they must really love me. Then I see a guy who's like really good, and he's in and out in ten seconds. I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe he just he hit it out of the park, <laughs> and that is like we don't need to redo this. I think so. I think everybody, the different casting directors are different. Sometimes they'll work you over, and then the thing is though, 
they'll work you over because maybe they're skilled. There was a guy earlier today. I was in a voiceover audition at a place called Just Voices. You know that mm-hmm. place. Right? I do know that place. I and, do know that place. Uh, this guy, Roger, he'll work you over. You know, he'll do three or four or five takes. And they'll say, try it this way. You know, and then so somebody, somebody who was insecure or maybe new in the business, some some rube off the street would think, oh, boy, this guy doesn't like me. He keeps telling me to do different things. But what I think he does, he's like a director. So he uh, he knows what he wants. So then he might record you five times and then dump the first four and just pick the fifth one and send that on to the client. Right. I mean, he is doing that. He's not going to send yeah. five different takes to the guy, the Corona advertising guy. Yeah, right? they'll pick their choicest once. I always think they uh, – sometimes I've done those. I haven't done that type of audition because I'm an artist now and I don't do that kind of thing. But <laughs> well, you would though. I don't know. Yeah, I'm an artist. I do Remember that old Woody Allen routine where he'd say <laughs> they tried to, tried to hire him for a vodka ad and he said, I, I, no. I said, no, I'm an artist. I won't do that. And then he said, it pays, was, of course, this is in the 60s. He said, it pays uh, $25,000. And he said, let me put Mr. Allen on the phone. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, we'll be cutting out that. <laughs> be, that's the first cut of the podcast. It's the, it's the Woody Allen joke that you put in there. Um, but regardless of whether I would do that or not, that's not what it's about. The, question is um don't you think like i always feel like they they overthink these things and they're like oh, is yeah. there just a dude in the office who could say drink corona yes and no one you're not going to sell less corona sadly that's the way it is and i say sadly but probably a uh, reason that i've been able to work in this crazy business for all these years because it's a panel of people you got the ad agency people uh, and you got the you know the creatives. You got the uh, what do you call the other ad agents people? Then you have the client, and they're all in the soup, giving notes, saying who they want and whatever. So in the end, you end up getting the person who doesn't uh, doesn't have a, a, a you know a line through their name. Like oh, we don't like that guy. He sounds too uh, edgy, or that guy sounds like he. Uh, um, you know, he's, he's too, uh, middle American or whatever. So they go through all these people and they, it's, it's a process of elimination. Right. So perhaps, uh, you, it, it isn't, it obviously isn't about who's, who's good at these things. It's who didn't bother the key people. Oh, you mean literally just personality wise? Yeah. And like, oh, I don't like that guy. Uh, we need, uh, we need somebody cooler for our campaign, you know? So it's like the, the nerdiest guys are out. Maybe the really cool guys are out because they don't want any model looking guys. And I'm like right there in the middle. You know me, I come kind of straight. They care about model looking for a voiceover? Uh, Well, I'm talking about like in 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 commercials. How many of these, uh, so you're saying like, it's a thing where it's like, oh, this guy's a cool guy. Let's hire him because he's a cool guy. Uh, well, sometimes that's it too. These directors, I've done commercials with directors and they're a blast and they know I'm kind of fun to hang out with. So they want me to, (laughs) you are, they know he is everyone. They, so they want to get, so I'm trying to get you on the spot and they try to get me in, but that can work against me because they're in there and the director's obviously pulling for me. And when I go in the audition, the director's like, (laughs) he's so funny, isn't he? He's great. And then the, the client is like, we don't like that guy because oh, they want to be the one to make the decision. Yes. I want to be the one who said, I chose the guy who said drink Corona. Yes. Not, I didn't listen to the director. Yeah. Uh-huh. So every time the director's told me it was a shoe in, I'm going to use you. I don't get it. And I, so I say, don't do me any favors. Don't recommend me at the session. Don't act like you, you like me. Huh? Wow. Yeah. So the, uh, how many of these have you done? Like how many, do you know how many voiceovers you've done? Um, I mean, I've done hundreds Really? <laughs> now, shouldn't they just give but it to been, you? No, know, this is since when? 1995. That's a lot. So, that's good. 
Because um, if they paid two dollars each, we're talking that's four hundred dollars. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh wait, that'd be two hundred dollars. Exactly. Or whatever. Two times whatever I was trying to say there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I amble along. Sometimes it's a good campaign, uh, and you, you know, you you pay your bills with it. Other times, you just get a uh, a paycheck out of it and never never runs again. Um, but that's one of the reasons I never did the road. We were talking about this. Yeah. Uh, that time we did the, the gig together in Washington, D.C. And you said, you got to get on the road, Shalou. Stop, know. Uh, you know, stop this nonsense. I tell everyone to go on the road. <laughs> but the thing is, I have had a good run with the commercials, with the voiceovers. When I leave town, I lose money because uh, yeah. I can't, I miss out on a job or something. Right. And like I said, I'm not making, I'm not minting gold here. I'm just making a living. But it's always been that kind of thing where it's like, geez, I think I can make a living here. But why do I want to be out on in the road, like staying at a Red Roof Inn? And, you know, and now that I got a family, it's like anything I can do to stay in town is good. Red Roof Inn. I, I have not stayed in the Red Roof Inn in a long time. You don't stay in a Red Roof. No, no, no. When you're paying your own bills, you know, it's thirty nine ninety nine. dollars There's shop. ways of getting a better hotel. Nothing against Red Roof. I'm <laughs> okay. sure I have stayed in one. It's a fine hotel. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm going to get so much <laughs> flack from the Red Roof people <laughs> when they listen to this podcast. Now, you just got off the road. Speaking of the road, ironically, you just got off the road. I after did. After your anti-road rant. I did 16 days. With Jim Gaffigan, right? Yeah. When did you, you got back yesterday? Uh, uh, Easter Sunday. Wow. Where was the last show? Last show was in, uh, it was in uh, Virginia. It was in... Uh, what was it? Roanoke. Roanoke, Virginia. So we the, the second to last gig, Friday night, was in Indiana. Okay. And we drove. Oh, he's from Indiana. It must yeah. be ridiculous when he shows up in Indiana. Oh, they go crazy. Yeah. Sold out shows, et cetera. So we, we did, uh, in, I forget even the town we were in, in Indiana, but the drive was like 10-hour drive from Indiana to uh, Roanoke. And I really wanted to get home for Easter Sunday, so I d- drove after the gig. I drove four hours to D.C., then I took the red eye home, and I got home right in the morning. So we did a gig Saturday night in Roanoke, and I was home at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. Man. Yeah. Exhausted, miserable. Yeah, yeah. You could have driven back from Roanoke, though, right? I could have driven back, but I, I that's why I planned the trip, is I took the train to D.C. so that I could take the train home, because I knew on that last leg... I would want to drive halfway and then take the train because then you can sleep on the train. It's too exhausting to drive home from Roanoke in one day. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So you – I know we've talked about this before but not on my podcast. You do your own travel. You book yourself. I mean you – you're not on the bus with him and his five kids, right? Not on the bus. He travels. He's got five children. (laughs) Jim Gaffigan has five kids. We're not joking. Five kids. And he and his wife – and they have a bus driver, and they travel around the country on this bus. And they have the five five beds, and the and then the, the master bedroom, and they travel like it's like a tour bus. Yeah, I've, I've done tours where there's a couple of kids, but I've never done one where there's five kids. Yeah, I toured with Howie Mandel, and he had his kids on. Oh, you did? Yeah, that was a long time ago. But I'm not being interviewed right now, so let me get back to this. <laughs> uh, so you just do your own rental car? Yeah, rent the car, and uh, I. They have unlimited mileage now, so it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, I know about that. I mean, you can go for, I mean, I, you put 7,000 miles on a car. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Do you rent it out of New York City? I rented this one out of D.C. All right. Well, I could do the train. Because renting the- a car out of New York City is like $500 a day, and then you go to L.A., and it's like $11 a day. Yeah. Yeah. Although, that's why when I rent a car out of New York, you got to go to like, you got to go to like bad neighborhoods in Jersey. <laughs> 
<laughs> and <laughs> to pick up a rental car, that's not suspicious. Yeah, I know. But you can get a cheap rental car in uh, in bad neighborhoods in, in New Jersey. <laughs> Our first hot travel tip <laughs> of the of the podcast. When you're looking for a cheap rental car, those neighborhoods you always drive quickly through. <laughs> Pull over, grab yourself a rental car. The last time I did that, I took the car back. I returned it, and then I I knew I had to get back, you know, somehow to to New York. And it's not that far out. I mean, you're in Jersey; it's just through the tunnel. But I saw a bus pulling as I was returning the rental car. I saw one of those little, you know, like uh, sixteen passenger buses pull up on the on the side of the road and yeah. take passengers away. And I thought that's got to be going into the city. Why else would that bus be be there? So I walked across and I waited and the bus pulled up and it was like a, you know, Spanish speaking bus driver. And I got on and I was like, New York. And the guy just like, so blah, blah, blah. he said something in Spanish. <laughs> probably wasn't that. It's probably real Spanish. <laughs> and he probably didn't go blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I sat on the bus and lo and behold, we drove right into Port Authority. I, then, I actually uh, do love cheap public transportation. Like okay. I did a tour recently. I was in Chicago and then I had to go to like DeKalb. And there was a mega bus. Yeah. And I was like, I could either rent a car to Chicago, stand in line for $104, or get on this mega bus with 20 college students yeah. and free Wi-Fi for $11. <laughs> and it's not bad, those No, I was on the top top floor. No one bothered me. I, got, I was virtually unrecognized. $11. It's unbelievable. Um, so you did 16 cities. Now, I think Gaffey and like his shows at this point, they must all be universally great, right? Yes. Like the audience is totally great. No jerks show up. No jerks. A lot of kids though, right? Young people? Yeah. I mean, by kids, we mean like a lot of 12-year-olds. Yeah. And a lot of 72-year-olds. Yeah. Like we're talking three generations solid of solid fans. That's how you make the money. That's the secret to him. You know, if you ask yourself, how is this guy selling out yeah. venue after venue after yeah. venue? It's that wide audience. I can't believe I do jokes about Fugazi and I don't get those kind of audience. <laughs> uh so you do. So what is like? We're talking twenty five hundred, three thousand. Yeah, a night. And you do what? Twelve minutes? Uh, yeah, like between thirteen to fifteen. Thirteen to fifteen. Yeah, we cap it out at about fifteen. I, when I see thirteen on my uh, on my phone, I put the phone out there on the stool. And when I see thirteen, I usually wrap it up then. So. <laughs> you wrap it up. You go into the power closer. Yeah, yeah. Why not get off while you're ahead? I mean, I. Uh, do you? Um, he likes to do an hour or over an hour. Sometimes an hour and fifteen. Right. So. I wouldn't want. I mean, when I have someone open for me. I think 15. You just want to know. I just want to know what the audience is like. Yeah. That's and I want what to get them a little focused. I don't need to be blown off the stage by some guy doing 35 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you get, like when I do a bigger place, even though I've been doing it a long time, I still get a little more nervous than when I'm in a club. Do you find any, uh, even though on some level it, it's easier, I think? Yeah. I think I get less nervous. Really? I've I heard other people say that. With the bigger crowds because they're, uh, they're more monolithic and, you know, they, they just laugh, they just laugh and then they stop and they listen to you and then they laugh again. So it's, I feel like you can control the bigger audiences, uh, especially when it's sold out in those theaters, then they're just really monolithic, you know? Does he, uh, now one thing with the, the theaters, is that now, the right word monolithic? I was just, uh, they act, they work together as a big mass. I shut my Wi-Fi off, so I can't go on dictionary.com, but I, uh, <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. I think monolithic sounds great. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'm banking on, even if you're wrong, no one will notice. Right. And anyone notices and is really bothered by it, they can just, uh, listen to another podcast <laughs> where people don't take the chance to use a word like monolithic incorrectly. Um, 
do you like to like when I do a theater, like when I open for Louis or something, I I like to see the audience. He likes it pitch black. Same like with the African. He likes it black. I get terrified when it's pitch black because I just feel like I'm in. It's like just like going outside and starting to do a show. It's like I need to see, find two people smiling. Yeah. Just look at them. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. And I, I he likes it to. Uh, we come in the theater. There's like there's three stages of lighting. You know, they come in and they're uh, they're seating people. Then it gets darker for me, but not completely dark. And then for him, it's totally black with just the spotlight. So he likes that. So I get I do see people. Uh, but the house lights are not on. It's kind of dark out there, but I can see the first. Can you, you know, dictate? Like, uh, like can I, can I have 40% up? Can I have a house lights at 40? Do uh, you do a sound check? We do the sound check and we go through the lighting. But uh, basically, um, you know, the way we've kind of done the lighting, it just, you know, it works out. I like however it goes. It's like, can I half lights for me? And then, and it's not spotlight for me. That's the thing. It's kind of like the wash on the stage, which I kind of like that too. Yeah, because I can I can move around a little bit too. Jim's kind of like right there in the middle. That's true. He doesn't move around a lot. Yeah, he's like a, he's a, a hero for someone like me because <laughs> people the whole my whole career like yeah you're low energy you don't move around oh you mean like Jim Gaffigan <laughs> just added a fourth show and <laughs> and Madison well who's that, that guy that, who is that the, but but what is this uh, straw man you make who is that who's this saying who's in your low energy uh, I've been hearing that my whole. My whole uh, career. It's usually, it's more of a problem. It's my classic quote on that. It's more of a problem off stage than it is on stage. Because? Like, oh, because. Like I actually, and I do all right on stage. Yes. Uh, but it's usually like, you know, someone perceiving that you're, oh, he's, he's low energy. You can't, can't do what? <laughs> Yell like a fucking idiot? <laughs> I don't need to, man. Uh, I hope this is all recording, but. It looks like it is. Yeah, you're looking at a wave, right? On the yeah, on the a couple of times I'm not though. But I mean, I think I'm recording. Yeah, yeah. If not, uh, we'll just do the whole thing over. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this: the uh, I, didn't you make like a video diary of this? Uh, I I did. Every time I go out on the road, I try. My commitment is to make a video every day, but I fail. I fail every time. It's not like fun to have to do anything every day when you're I on know. the road because you're just kind of like I don't know. I just want to get to the next city, and you're like you don't want a project. Yes. Oh, I mean. I do like a project because yeah. it keeps me it keeps me snappy, you know, keeps right. me going, keeps me in action. Right. Uh, but it's hard because you're just driving all the time, so you can't. It's not like you can work in the car. If I were on a on a train tour, right. uh, but I posted, I was posting videos on uh, on Huffington Post, and it was good. Getting a lot. I of saw views. one where you were complaining about not getting a good cup of coffee. Yes. And I was looking. I go. Well, you're what on like I ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think there's going to be like a great pour over you're going to get? Well, I mean, there's going to be like an indie. The it's gonna be an indie coffee shop off the highway. I want at least I want a Starbucks in my rest area. That's the thing, and you get it in the Northeast. You get it in New Jersey, even on the yeah know, the Turnpike. But uh, there there were several states where I mean I would pull off the road because I would do a search for uh, coffee. And I would pull off. I'd be willing to drive a mile or two off the interstate, and I still couldn't get a good cup of coffee. How many cups do you slam it down today? I uh, just I like to have two cups in the morning, and then I like to have a cup in the afternoon. Really? I drink it black. I like a black. I like a black strong coffee, <laughs> but I don't sip it all day. And I don't get big. You know, I don't get big twenty ounce coffees. I right. just get a twelve ounce coffee. Right. Usually have two of those in the morning, and then one in the afternoon. Do you? Um, so you Yelp it. The Yelp app is amazing. Yes. 
I yelp it, and uh, I saw the coffee you had in Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. Oh, was that Tulsa or Oklahoma City? Tulsa. Because I had a good cup of coffee in Tulsa, but it was a different place. Oh, really? But that picture you took was. If anyone could find this picture of a pour over coffee that Tom Shalhoub got in Tulsa, it's on my Twitter feed, right? It's yeah. I would stop what you're doing if you're doing anything and go. It looked beautiful. It was great. And the guy was talking to me the whole time and talking about the notes of the coffee. Has the yeah, I love, I love hearing all that stuff. It's great. And then I go, okay, that's good. And I forget everything. Well, see, you are a rare bird like myself. You love pour-over coffee. Yeah. Nobody will understand how it, the pour-over coffee continues to be the greatest value in what would you call it? In like high end in coffee food in coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I think coffee would work perfectly the way you were just saying. <laughs> no. <about that. laughs> no. In I'm talking about in all the world of food, people pay a lot of money for uh, you know, a nice glass of wine. They pay money for uh, you know, uh, you go to Italy in uh, yeah. you know, in New York. And people like high end foods. Pour over coffee is an incredible value if you pay because it costs like three dollars a cup. Yeah. Regular coffee, you go to Starbucks, it costs two dollars. So for an extra dollar it is so much better. This, yeah. These pour over coffee. There's places. a couple places around here where they, you know, they grind the beans in front of you. Like you order a cup of coffee, and then you hear a grinder. They grind each cup. Yeah, separately. That was this place in Tulsa. I, I should think of the name. That doesn't matter. But it, we've talked yeah. a disproportionate amount about a Tulsa coffee shop. <laughs> but my friends, my, oh, they'll know. They can figure it out. It yeah. is the big. It's the big name in coffee in Tulsa. There's but a couple of them because I went to a different one. The, the. <laughs> I am made fun of by people because I I get jazzed up about Starbucks. When I'm on the road, i got to have my Starbucks and whatever, okay? I love the Starbucks Clover machine, which is essentially like a, a machine version of the pour-over coffee. But they, don't, they won't make you a Clover, will they? Yes. Oh, they will? Yeah. They, just... they grind the it's, – it's right there. They grind the coffee. They make it – it's just all done by a, by a big robot. That's the only difference. Right. And I'm sure the pour-over people think it looks, you know – that it lacks personality, but it's a good handmade cup of coffee with high-end beans, and I've spent up to seven dollars a cup for these. these. Really? Seven dollars? See, that's, that's I don't kinda, even like. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You get the Hawaiian, uh, you know, high-end coffee or something. I don't even like it. I, I like your basic uh, Colombian coffee in the clover machine. It costs like three bucks. But I have, I have experimented with that, and people make fun of me for that. And now, when I go on the road, it's not Starbucks doesn't even satisfy me. I have to go into these cities, and I have to search for pour-over well, coffee. It's way better. I mean, yeah. not to be like, I'm not like a book Starbucks person, but... I like Starbucks. I Yeah, it's fine when you you got no, when you have no choice, yeah. but I do love the indie coffee. Because every indie coffee shop still had like, like, I went to one in Tulsa, like I talked about. And if you said, Todd, you're in Brooklyn, I would be like, oh, okay, I'm in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. In fact, there are even more... You go to Tulsa, you go to, uh, you know, wherever. I mean, Houston, any of these places, any of these uh, out-of-the-way places. The indie coffee shops, or the indie anything, is like twice as indie as right. New York. Because every indie person hangs out there. I've also found, like, when I Yelp review for a coffee place, they'll often... The one thing I always see is like, oh, they were snotty at this place. And that's always the place I'll go, oh, I'm going to go to that place. And yeah. they're always like... Everyone could not be nicer. Like <laughs> exactly. I think, just some people interpret like they care about the coffee yeah. to be snotty. It's like that doesn't mean they're snotty. And who is ever snotty? I mean, yeah, I mean that. I feel like that's such a cliche. Like it's yeah. an old, an old school thing of like the snotty barista. Like you see that now, it kind of stands out. You're like, yeah. But uh, maybe I get treated differently because I'm a superstar. But 
It could be. All right, that, I'm not even buying what I just did right there. We'll cut that out. As well. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't think there's any editing on the show. I feel like it's so far. This is I don't feel the need to edit this one, yeah. except for the part of us talking about whether we should edit it or not. Yeah. Um, let me. What else? Want to say? Oh, so hotels? Do you say the same hotel as Gafkin? Does he want you? Like when I most work, of the times, uh, you know, and I always say, like you know, Jim, uh, you know, be. Uh, happy put me up at a red roof inn but usually he likes me close by because sometimes i'll drive him to the gigs sometimes we'll uh you know they usually have a runner run us over so i'll park my car and then they'll drive us up. but it's always good to have me and my car nearby in case uh yeah something goes wrong Let's so keep an like, eye on you it doesn't yeah. mean you're like you're like 13 miles away yeah yeah so um let me let me ask you this now yeah do you i found because i'll still occasionally open for louis or maybe sarah silverman or someone or ricky gervais i've done that because you get these opportunities to play these big places. Why not do it? Yeah. Uh, do you ever, I do find like it, the upside is like, oh my God, I just played to 3,000 people. I just had to do 12 minutes, whatever. I sold a bunch of stuff after the show. But then there's always the, t- you're still perceived as not a real comedian by some people. Do you ever get comments? Like, I had a, a security guard at one of these places. He's like, uh, so you're paying your dues, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's a totally nice person who doesn't necessarily tapped into the comedy scene. But it's like, oh, I've been doing this 25 years. Well, <laughs> uh, started rattling off my TV credits. So it's like, hey, you're paying your dues. Like I'm some like a 19-year-old who's like gotten his first Or that you break. worked at the venue. Like, hey, yeah, let's yeah, let Todd like, go up and just uh, throw this guy up on stage <laughs> a little bit. But And then I had another guy recently, one of the promoters who saw me do one. This was recently. One show with Louie and then a few Months later, I did another show. This guy promoted. He goes, "Hey, your uh, your show's getting a lot better." It's like, why do you think it's okay? Like, I'm sure his heart was in the right place, but what is it about me that makes you think you can just? Why don't you just go ahead? That was great. And what so was it's it? gotten better, a lot better. Well, because okay. you had returned to that same yeah. venue. What well, was the same promoter in a different town? Oh yeah. Oh, the promoter. Yeah, yeah. And he's My just gosh. like, your show got a lot better. Oh, good. Twenty five years, motherfucker. I mean, these guys don't know. I, that's something I might have said. I think I said. Uh, I think I remember it like, you know, when I first started comedy, my first year, there were guys like Geraldo was kind of new then as well, you know, mm-hmm. or he had been, you know, maybe a year before me had started some. But I remember seeing him and I remember saying like to him one night, I was like, hey, hey yeah, way better than the last time I said, I said something that I right. thought was a compliment. Yeah. And he was like, oh, thanks. Like, but, you know, I was kind of new and you're always looking for something to say. Right. So I feel like some people. I have to think of that. When people talk to me after a show, they're kind of like, oh, there's the opening act. I think I'll say something to him. And then they think of something dumb. <laughs> right. Or they do the, like, comparison. Like, I know people who have opened for me. Someone goes up to them and goes, hey, you're a man. You're a man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've done that where I've opened for, you know, someone, whatever. Not recently. It hasn't happened. But just where, like, oh, yeah, you're a man. Listen, like, I just, think there are op- – like, It's not a contest. I think – that I, this the, I was this theory with like in clubs, you know, back in like when I was going back to Boston to like do shows and things like that, and some of these kind of like rougher clubs, and you have the guy who middles for you or is going up before you and does the Boston crushing act. He'll just kill right. and destroy. Right. And I swear, like I always think, like this guy like goes into the bathroom and pulls his feet up so he can hear guys going into the urinal saying, "I like that middle guy better." Like I right. swear, like, oh, of course. <laughs> otherwise, I, I, I mean, why? Boston's kind of notorious for. I mean, I've never had it happen to me, but where they will almost try to smoke you. Like yeah. They'll try to like burn you. Yes. I've heard stories about that. But I've, um, I had a guy once, in, it was in Michigan where they had this guy open for me who was literally telling like street jokes, 
like this has happened a few times where like street delivery where like you know a snail knocks on the door that kind of <laughs> a snail and a, and a cheetah walk into a bar kind of jokes and then and you see people going it's like you cannot like me but if you you can't say that that was better because I went up there and just did anything that wasn't a street joke yeah then I, I'm better. But than did, was he doing well? Was he working? He's doing okay. But I mean, he's not. He's not going to be anywhere. He's not going to be a guest on my podcast. Yeah. He's, I mean, there's just you can't do that and go anywhere. Right. Um, so you haven't. So okay. So not a lot of by, backhanded uh, comments. Uh, I used to get. You know, at Catch a Rising Star. Remember the the Twenty Eighth Street one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I emceed one night and I'll never forget because oh emceed like, always get it because it's like you should be a comedian too that's what they said to me yeah two ladies and it was you know there was I had you know these are the days when it was like Attell and Louie and all these people are coming in probably yourself Todd yeah I probably said something shitty to you and but no coming in and you guys are doing you guys are like uh, established comics and you're coming in and crushing and I've got to get up in between and do time you know, because like remember at Catch, like they, they would have you, the MC would do a lot of time. Like he, uh-huh. I would open up with like 20 minutes and then I would do a set in between each one. But I'm up there surviving. Attell goes on and crushes. Then I go up and do five minutes and I'm not, and doing well. They're laughing. So you're very proud of yourself. And then you go out to the bar afterwards and the two ladies from the Midwest are like, you know, we think you should be a comedian too. Like advice. Like I don't even know why they. <laughs> It's so weird because I don't think I would ever – it's hard for me to imagine what it's like to not be a comedian. But I couldn't imagine like watching going, someone go on stage telling jokes and not thinking they're a comedian. Like you're on stage. You're telling jokes. I'm laughing at your jokes. I couldn't imagine, hey, you should be a comedian too. Like what, yeah. what did I do that didn't sort of scream comedian? Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps it was the – because I, I, I pulled a – you know, a, a name out of the fishbowl to see who won the contest. <laughs> I guess that probably does fuck it up. Though. Or <laughs> these people – kind of either grew up watching shows like Merv Griffin or something and then they would watch Evening at the Improv with uh, who was remember Bud Friedman would host the show a lot of times the MC wasn't a comedian yeah 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 and Uh so they would that was their idea that the MC was 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 the host or the proprietor of the establishment or whatever now are you going to do some headlining shows as well uh yeah, I mean I got to get out there. Yeah, this, you got to get out there. Listen, we talked about this. Yeah, before. we did. Yeah, you didn't want to hear my excuses because I would say, well, you know, I got the Gaffigan tour and then I got uh, you yeah. know, well, uh, but I got to plan it out. I got to get, um, I got to get out there. You know, you know what I have this idea of doing because Jim does it with the, uh, you know, he does the tour bus, and I, I talking to my wife about getting in the getting in an RV and doing yeah. some gigs. That's why not. You know what I mean? It's like on a junior scale. All I got to do is pay my bills. You know what I mean? I don't need you to could be also do a Thursday through Sunday thing. Yeah. Like do a little tour, come yeah. back home to Many kids. Tours. Tom has kids, by the way. Yeah. Two two girls, six two girls, and three. Six and three. But I want to, the thing is, I want to try this on the road thing. Like I want to get out there and, and uh, you know, and stay in the hotels with, so I don't have to say like, oh, goodbye, daddy's going to be back next week. I mean, I think it would be kind of, I have this romantic idea of, you know, roughing it out there on the road. With the kids. Yeah. But then you'll bring the kids and you're like, well, this whole like. Daddy will be back in three days. It's not really, not really a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. Changing, I know. Changing I know. a diaper right before I go on stage or something. I know your kids are too old for diapers, yeah. but uh, that's all I know about kids is that sometimes they wear diapers. <laughs> I hope this is recording, but uh, I don't see like the lines going crazy. But oh, it's a recording. I just got to look at your wave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what? So have you have you planned anything? Do you have any shows you want to plug? Well, I, I don't have – I just have my monthly show at the, at the Brooklyn Brewery, you know. That's not going on the road. Uh, no. Going uh, to Brooklyn. 
Yeah, that's Even what I'm saying. If you, if you see a road when you're going there, that doesn't count as going. <laughs> <laughs> my my plans have been to to stick around here uh, and do the Gaffigan tour. We might do, depending on what Jim's doing with television, he's got this CBS TV yeah. show. You know, if this goes, then his next tour is 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 canceled. But uh, you know, there might we have tour dates that we're planning. Oh, you have more summer. scheduled with? Yeah, him. yeah, for like July. Um, but yeah, I've got to I've got to batten down the hatches. But I mean, I think no, some. I think it's a great thing to do those because you're playing to just you know what eight thousand people a night, or if he does a few shows, or eight thousand in a weekend, ten thousand maybe yeah. more. Yes, and so that's a lot of people who leave there. Some of them like you after that. And I what I've been doing, I make business cards uh-huh. that have my albums on. I'm doing the twelve albums this. Oh year. yeah, we'll get into that. I'm releasing an album a month for twelve months, and I made a little kind of ad for that with a free album on the like a download code where you can download it for free. How do you do you shoot the business cards out into the crowd or how do you do that? I go out <laughs> I go out to the theater afterward Around the, lobby. the lobby and I, I hand them out. I shake hands, I hand them out. People are so glad to be um you know, Jim's backstage. He's got a uh, he has meet got, and greet, yeah. he's got like a meet and greet VIP thing, right? Know, because right, he right. can't meet everybody, so he does the the select, um, yeah, select to make an extra lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> and which he should do. Why not? Yes, and so I go out to the uh, lobby and I hand out cards, and it's great because I, I I hand out hundreds of cards a night, and I give them the free download. So I don't sell any merchandise. I don't do anything. Oh, do you get a response? Have people writing? Are the people downloading? Yes, they're downloading, and uh, they are. You know, t- lots of Twitter followers, lots of that action. So, uh, so tell us about this. Uh, tell us yeah. in my apartment yeah. about the. So you're doing twelve albums in twelve in a year. Yes. Uh, have you started releasing those? I, I started. Should've, I should have looked this up, right? I started oh, releasing. Horrible them. that I didn't look. I this mean, up. it's it's we're well into it. We're about to go uh, release number six would be next month. How long are these albums? They're all um, a half an hour or forty to so between a half an hour and forty five minutes. And there's no re- repeats. No repeats. I mean. You know what? To tell you the truth, in the last album, I think I repeated a setup, but right. the punchline was different. Than ah, that's so, a setup. Yeah, so it What's was a setup, it was, right? It was, it was I used the setup in a different way, and I liked it. And I said, "Listen, I like what I've done with this," so I redid it on the album. But no, but you know my style, Todd. Oftentimes, not when we were like when, when we were working in uh, D.C., for instance, or when I'm out with yes. Tim. Tom has opened for me some, several times in smaller places than Jim Gaffigan was. <laughs> Still worthwhile shows, though. Yes. It's not the size the, of the crowd. or the, uh, Arlington Draft House was yeah. awesome, right? It's not the significantly smaller paycheck that I'm getting and then, therefore, Tom is getting. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not the, wow, I wish I was as successful as Jim Gaffigan. It's not about that. No. And the, uh, what, what, what did I say? I did the, the uh, oh, I... I work on material when I'm in town. I'll go do a show. I'll tell a story. I'll spin a yarn for, for, <laughs> for you know, fifteen or twenty minutes. You know, right? Sometimes it's uh, might be a little boring. Other times I nail it, and it's really no. Your good stories stuff. are good. They're good. They're good. Because normally storytelling is not always my favorite thing, but yours yours are good. Sometimes it's. But tight. I guess I shouldn't say that because any most jokes are bad. So Scrat- storytellers, I apologize. Yeah, they some are good, some are bad, just like anyone else. And and so I like to do what I think of as a hybrid of stand-up and storytelling. I, I'm, I'm doing stand-up. It's not really 
you know, it kind of annoys me when people say, oh, you're kind of, what are you doing, a storytelling show? But it's kind of like, you know, I wish we could just call it all stand-up because that's what I'm doing. I like when I get asked to do a storytelling show because then I have an easy excuse to go, no. <laughs> oh, it's a storytelling show. No, I won't be doing yeah. that. But thank you I for know. asking me. I have asked you several times to do my show at the Brooklyn Brewery. and then Have you? Yes. And you say, storytelling? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, well, then you know what I just said wasn't a lie. Exactly. It was you very can, true. You can testify that. I'm still going to work on it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to badger you. A no, little I'll, I'll, I'll let you. You're, uh, and I might sell some tickets too. Because if you're on the bill, I think I might. Yeah. If people hear that I don't like storytelling and then you advertise me that I'm doing a show, <laughs> then they're really that I'm reluctantly, reluctantly there. They'll, yeah. they'll be all over it. Yeah. Um, but so it's just because I can't imagine, like, I mean, it's a great thing that you could do like a half hour of a, a half hour. I mean, listen, I think they're good. When I go over, because when I had the idea to do the thing, I said, look, I have a lot of material. I used to do those moon work shows. I would record all of those. And I have shows that I'll do, you know, Union Hall. I'll go do 20 minutes there. And it's like, it's good. And, you know, and it was the kind of thing where I would do it. And it's like, definitely, you got to grade me on a scale. I mean, I'm not firing them all out of the park. It's a slow burn. Right. But... It's like the, you know, it's like the, I don't know what the slow food people, you know, what the, how they, how they, they I grade it. them on a scale as well. But slow food no, people. the slow, it's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's good. Okay. But I would never record these. And when it came time to do an album, it'd be like, oh, let me put my best stuff on an album. But I thought, what if I put it all out there? Cause sometimes there's something better about catching say two 20 minute sets where I might've meandered a little bit. I might've, you know, I might've been sowing some oats out there on right. stage, but it's good, so I put them down, and you know what? I think they are good, uh, and I'm selling them for a buck ninety nine. So you know, nobody can complain, right? No, it's good, and it's also it's like uh, it's a different sort of paradigm, if that's the right word. That's, where that's it's it. not you're not going. I recorded four shows. I edited every last syllable down to yeah. a nice forty minute set, meaning what I do when I release albums. You're like you're beginning to end, going to hear. Yeah. I mean, do you edit at all? Or do I do edit, yeah. Okay. Because sometimes, so listen, I'll tell a story and then it will it'll be ridiculous. It'll be indulgent. And I might go off on a tangent for five minutes and I think, well, that was a fun little five minutes. I think I'll put that in a different story on a different album, you know what I mean? Where it fits better. Right. Uh, but So you've released six of them. I've, um, I'm, I've released five. Five, and they're on iTunes. They are on iTunes and uh, on, you know... On uh, your website? Or on the website, yeah. TomShalou.com. Yep. S-H-I-L-L-U-E. Yeah. Tom spelled exactly the way you think it's spelled. At <laughs> uh, TomShalou at Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Let's get that account verified. What's going on? I don't... What, do you have a verified? Of course I do. Jesus, but the thing you is... You can't get a podcast unless you have a verified Twitter account. I was... Uh, you know, I saw Ed Helms something like nine months ago. He said, finally, I got verified or something on Twitter. Yeah. Now, if Ed was having trouble, yeah. uh, I, I thought, geez, I won't even bother these people. I can't me. even tell you how I got verified. Yeah. But, well, the who say people said, we're going to get you verified. And then they, they, they didn't do it. So I should badge I think there is a form or something. Okay. Fill you right. fill out. Um, but you did, how many followers do you have then? Uh, about 11,000. Oh, that's. I got another thousand on this last Gaffigan tour. So really? that was, yeah, that was rapid growth. Because I started That's with exponential about exponential growth. Yes. Yeah. Um, so these, I like the albums. So is there a name for them, or is it is it just twelve albums? And yeah, the, all the albums have the little twelve and twelve logo on it. Uh, you know, Mindy Tucker did the photos. I she's did, like, good. One yes. big like we did. We actually did two kind of marathon photo sessions, and then um, then I have this designer, this woman, Katie Belaski, who's just like 
I, she was, she's like my go-to. KT, you just got a shout-out on Todd Barry's first great. inaugural podcast. Congrats <laughs> to KT. Listen about her. This is one of those fortuitous things. You know this, uh, you know when they have the, what's this, free business cards or like, get your business Vista cards. Print or Vista something. print or something. Okay. Years ago, I made some uh, brochures on Vistaprint for, you know, I think like a corporate thing or something. I was trying to get some corporate work. So I made these brochures and I, they say, use our designer. They'll design it for you. Mm. So they did it. You yeah. Use the business card, free design, free business card design. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's one of the best in the biz. I mean, so, but you know what? You, you end up getting young people who are in yeah, that's design true. school. I, sh- I should shut up about that. So, but you know, you, you're taking a chance. They're hungrier. Yes, they're hungry. So they, and the design was great. And it was obviously some, but they don't let you talk to the designer because then you'll probably try to contact them later on. Oh, for like, they keep yeah. the design a secret. Oh, okay. you, you submit the thing. No, you know, they don't want to be like, hey, man, if you want to work, uh, if you want yeah. to call me outside of those, right? Don't they, use your work email. All done all separate all through, all the, yeah, through yeah. the complicated software. Right. So it just so happened that sometime later, when I, my Comedy Central special was on, I got an email. Hey, I just saw you on Comedy Central. Um, you know, funny thing, I designed your brochures a few years ago oh. on Vistaprint, and so I said, you did. Floodgates are open. Now I got her email, so now I, I you know, it wasn't. We didn't go. We didn't uh, do anything shady. She was a fan, and I contacted. So now, out of in the spirit of uh, of that, since we kind of started our careers together, I use her all the time, and she's always great. So it is she, pretty amazing because sometimes I'll I'll just have someone like make a poster for like a tour I'm doing. Yeah, like, they'll just go, hey, can I make you a poster? Yeah, and you look at their work, and they do good work, and they're like, they don't even seem to want. I mean, I give them money. Yeah, but I feel like some of them would do it and not take money. Yes. Um, what I'm saying is I don't give the money. No, I do give the money. <laughs> but it's just somewhat, you almost just want to go, you know, you should take money. You just yeah. made me a poster. Yeah. Take, well, you know what? A lot of young bill. people in creative fields but do they, that until they're 30 and then they start like. Yeah, I mean, it's also good to get like a, you know, a portfolio. You, I mean, you say you made the Todd Berry May tour poster. Yeah. And it does help because you know what? You, you know what? If I tell you the truth, Todd, if I did a poster for you, I would do it. And then you would try to pay me and I'd say, no. You're not paying me. But you know why? Friends. But it wouldn't even be, it would be Machiavellian of me because I would know that out of the guilt, knowing you, or say it were Gaffigan, knowing both of you guys, you would tweet about me. You would advertise my site. I would end up getting more business. Then if you paid me, then I, it would be over. You wouldn't feel morally obligated to uh, be plugging me. But I bet you anything, when somebody does that free work for you, you always give them a shout out or something, right? I uh, do something. Yeah. I, I shout. I let, I let my wallet to the shower. <laughs> um, let's see if there's, we should maybe wrap this up. We're 39 perfect minutes, perfect length. Uh, yeah. Should we talk about the comedy class you teach? I teach through the pit. You're like the only, like I'm have a huge problem with comedy classes, but you're the only guy. Well, there's probably others. Yeah. But like you sometimes surprise me. There's a couple of times where you've said, Hey, you want to do a show tonight? And I go, sure. And it turns out I'm performing. It's the comedy class for your comedy class. Which and they're all first timers, but first timers. And I always am good about insulting you. Yeah, yeah. To them, yeah, on yeah. stage, and they're, they're all sitting there, <laughs> as you, and they're confused. As tell I them tell, they wasted their I money. Tell them how they shouldn't be taking comedy class <laughs> when they're basically in their comedy class. And you're, oh, I love that. Well, here's so my I will thing about do your comedy class. There is a running thing through the stand-up world about. Uh, uh, you don't need to don't take classes. Classes are bad, you know, whatever. I'm sure people have bad experiences with classes. Uh, and, and you can definitely learn comedy without a class, but I am pro class. Why not take it? You know, do you take it? 
it's no skin off your back. You, you, you can learn, you'll always learn something in the class. It's not something you can't say like, I'm going to go to school and learn how to be funny, but you, you get a feedback from other, it's a controlled atmosphere. Support is mandatory. I don't let people be like negative in the class. So that's like, oh, would you oh, that's think that's realistic? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not realistic, but it's that <laughs> through that artificial laboratory, people can, people can grow. You don't have to. There is an ethic in the stand-up world about like, I play the roughest rooms. I've done the open mics. I paid my dues, and it's fine. Those are good. You learn things there, but that's not the only place you learn. You can also learn in rooms with a bunch of sycophants who oh, love yeah. everything you say. Yeah. As the, you once told me, like the goal is. To play to sycophants. I feel like you once told me that. <laughs> exactly. And yes. I think you're the one who told me that. Because who plays for sycophants? Every yeah. famous comedian. Right, right, right. Once they're big, they are playing for uh, people who love them. Now, the danger of that is that you start being unfunny, which Your happens a lot. Control, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Because you just let it go. You know, Occasionally I will get it. someone in the audience who's laughing so hard, like they'll show up at the comedy cellar or something. And yeah. And you can see they, they applaud extra loud when you're on stage. Yeah. And then you're like, they're like flopping around and flailing yeah. their arms. Trying and, to show you. And they're turning to their friends like, huh, am I right? And yeah, their friends exactly. are like, I guess, I don't know. He's funny. I'm not going to really, I can't really say he's as funny as you seem to think he is. Then you feel embarrassed because you think comfortable. <laughs> and you're uncomfortable because you're like, oh, and now you're just, you're just. I mean, it's it's a now weird they're thing to trying to about. sell you to their friends, right? And you're like, and they, why are you pushing yeah, so hard? Yeah, and it's just like it's sort of like the that whole Woody Allen uh, not going to a party where you're invited to or something like, that. or joining a club or whatever club. You know which quote I'm trying. to We bookended this thing with Woody Allen. I know we did. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we should wrap things up. Yeah, I think we should. I mean, all right, you, you're tired. No, no. I mean, I think yeah. Just, let's yeah, let's quit while we're ahead. I think that was good. I don't think there's any questions. I'm not going to talk politics with you. That could get interesting, but let's not do it. Maybe on another episode. Yeah. If when I let's pretend I'm going to keep doing this podcast, and then <laughs> I'll start getting into repeats. What's uh, the plan for the podcast? I mean, this is the first one. But. Uh, this is the first one. The first one is. Uh, I think I might use the British model, like for the way they did the Office, where they do you do six and then you never do it again. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that only with podcasts. Well, then no, that's good because then it's it's. Then you can go on and do another six if you want. Right. But it's like a season. That's good. Do I hit save here in GarageBand? Uh, you can just hit stop. Which stop? Then, Is that the red thing? I'm so uh, afraid to hit yeah, the wrong thing. If you hit the red thing. Really? It'll stop it? It will stop recording. Seriously? Yep. Okay. So, okay. Let's... Uh, Thanks for. Is there anything you want to plug your Twitter account? We did all that. Yeah, I mean Twitter is the, the only thing. And you'll they have come there, and then, there, and then I can bother them from right. Twitter. You're going to book a tour, though. That tour idea that I came up with. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, you just go to TomShalou.com. Follow him on Twitter, Tom Shalou. Buy one of his. Buy one of his albums, a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. Or you know, email me. I'll send you a free one. Or email him. He's so guilt ridden. He won't even take a dollar ninety nine from you. <laughs> He's just. He feels terrible. Uh, Thanks for being my first guest. Oh, my pleasure. Talk to you guys later. Hey, everyone. That was the first episode of the Todd Barry Podcast. I hope you liked it. Um, I'd like to thank a few people. Phil Palazzolo, Phil Palazzolo, who helped me pick out a microphone, uh, made a garage band template, bought me podcasting for dummies, did lots of good stuff. Dustin Marshall at feralaudio.com. You should go there for all the other podcasts, including one by Duncan Trussell, who I'd like to thank. And here comes a siren. I'm going to keep talking, even though there's a siren. Duncan Trussell, who wrote me a nice long email telling me what to do to start a podcast. Austin Nelson, 
who took the photograph for the podcast artwork, and I'd like to thank Olivia, who helped me out a lot. You can subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes and uh, share them on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Todd Barry, ToddBerry.com, ToddBerryPodcast at gmail.com. Donate to the show if you like at FeralAudio.com. And that is about it. See you next week. Bye. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.